Hello, Igor in Russia. Hello, everyone watching in Switzerland, Germany, France, even the Philippines, and of course, everyone here in the United States, especially in Utah. This is Odyssey House Journals, one of the most watched podcasts and listened to podcasts about addiction and recovery. I'm Randall Carlisle, my co-host, Rachel Santizo. Hi. Have you heard from Igor in Russia yet? I haven't. Sadly, I have not. Darn, darn. Well, I see you have every week. I don't know how many t-shirts you're going to have in your drawers there, but uh, every week Rachel has a, a new t-shirt on. Tell us what you, what are you wearing today, Rachel? Today, Randall, I'm wearing the Sobriety Foundation um, t-shirt. So they are an incredible organization that offers scholarships for individuals to get into transitional housing. And they also hold the best speakeasy fundraising event by far. Well, since you mentioned that, I had uh, I, I met for, co for coffee with Susan Peterson, uh, the CEO of, of the whole organization. And she's having uh, the speakeasy fundraiser gala in person, thank God. Uh, I think in October. And so we'll have more details on that. And I'm going to MC, and you are cordially invited. Okay. So they do great. They do great work. Uh, people don't realize for somebody who doesn't understand addiction that uh, it's, it's so critically important that once you get out of residential care, you have a step down uh, before you go back into your normal life. Can you describe that? Right, and, and, and the step down can also create a lot of barriers for someone to truly get back on their feet. So employment and housing are probably the two biggest barriers. And so to have an organization say, hey, we'll help fund you so that you can get on your feet, it's, it's, it's critical and it's crucial for someone to really start you know, having the abilities to change their life around. Yeah, people have to realize that that if, if I was uh, a, a drug addict on the street, I, I had a circle of friends, including several dealers and people who use, and, and I don't wanna go back to that situation after residential care. So, so transitional sober, sober living is, is a good way to keep people clean and help them readjust to just going back into a, a, a normal lifestyle. Well said. So today, well, I don't know whether, I always want to share one factoid. So I always save this stuff. This is three U.S. national surveys, and it's really disturbing. It says more than half of children and teens with mental health symptoms are not receiving treatment. Over half. You know, and, that, and, that's a, and what's even worse is children and teens of color and those whose parents have lower levels of education are less likely to receive treatment. So that makes me, first, that makes me incredibly sad. And second, I think it's because, I think a, a way is because people don't feel like they can talk about it or it's not easily addressed, right? So I feel like the more that we can encourage the youth to speak about it, with no stigmas attached that we can start creating that change for them. And, and things are getting better. I mean, even, even Odyssey has a, has a in-school program now to help kids uh, connect with, with therapy. 
but it but it is one of you're right. You know, you don't if you're a parent, you don't want to admit that you have a dysfunctional relationship or that your kid is having problems because you're sort of afraid that oh, it's my fault or I did something wrong. But that the key though is to get some help and talk about it. It's you and for the youth too. So I know um, speaking from experience, personal experience is that cutting is a big thing for the youth, right? It's a way right. of, of coping. And so being able to really be vulnerable and transparent to talk about these things is what will open the doors to create some change and some vulnerabilities so that we can start addressing the issues head on. All right, time to introduce our exciting guests this week. Go ahead. So this week, I am super excited to announce that we have Kevin Johnson. He's an incredible, um, he's an incredible person in the community. And one of my favorite parts is when we work together at an event, a car show, raising funds for people who have served in the military. And so I definitely honor you and your service, Kevin, and I'm excited to hear your story. Hi, Kevin. Okay, hello, how are you guys doing today? We are good. good. We are good. You've been listening to us BS for a while, uh, and now we want to hear you BS for a while. And, and, and maybe uh, if you could sort of summarize your, your story from where you were to where you are now. Okay, well, first I want to start off because I'm somewhat, I'm 21 plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to start off with how I got to recovery. Okay, so on November 24th, 2016, uh, the day before Thanksgiving, I remember it, uh, it was raining that day and I had a somewhat illegal job. And, and so since it was raining, I went over to my friend's house with some illicit products, <laughs> you know. You were a dealer. <laughs> okay. Okay, so well, products. Actually, I was working for the Hondurans. Okay. At the time, and I had a backpack full of money and things of this nature. So I went over to a friend's mm -hmm. house because it was raining at the same time. There was a police raid, and so I went over his house, and so I slept that night, whatever. And the next day was Thanksgiving. So I went to the store and we bought uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And once it was prepared, we was at the Thanksgiving table and my head dropped and I couldn't lift my head back up. And the first thing they said was, let's call an ambulance. But because I had a particular uh, backpack, I did not want to go <laughs> to the hospital, you know? And so at the middle of the, in the middle of the night, I, uh, I, uh, I stopped breathing, and when, when I stopped breathing for some reason, I woke up, and my entire body was paralyzed. Oh. And I, I, only thing I could uh, uh, move was my fingers. And so I told them, I said, well, call an ambulance. And when I went to the, they took me to LDS Hospital, done an emergency operation, and I had an out-of-body experience. I died on an operating table. I was watching the doctors operate on me. Uh, the next thing I remember is they were saying, well, he's, he's still out of it. He's not going to make it. And, but the way they, 
they had put a, a trach in me, they had put me on life support, a ventilator. And so the way that they had me land, I could see, I just couldn't open my eyes, but I could see all the doctors. So like I said earlier, I could move my fingers. So I moved my fingers. They brought a whiteboard uh, in, in front of me with the days of the week of it and, and things of nature. So um, they asked me what the day was. And since this was the, they took me to the hospital the day after Thanksgiving, which was a Friday, I thought it was Saturday. And so when it got to Saturday, I said, yes, you know, the thing is, yes. And they said, no, it's Thursday of the following week. Okay? Wow. And I noticed it was like 10 or 20 doctors that were around me. And so come to find out it was the CDC along with federal agents. And so they were trying to, they were, uh, they were asking me, had I had any contact with any people from the Middle East at the time? Because what I had was called botulism A, which, uh, you know, uh, which was being uh, uh, made in Iraq for whatever reason, doing when they, we had the war with Iraq for some reason. And so, Kevin, it, was it due to using substances that landed you in the oh. hospital? Okay, what, what happened that they, I was using substance. You know, I was, I was used, I was a heroin addict. Okay. Okay. So, but, uh, due to the use of something that wasn't watching what I was eating or nothing like that. And so botulism is food poison. So, you know, and it's the, the worst of all food poison and the, you can take it. It comes from the soil, okay? And, and it, you can take it and use it as a chemical warfare. And this is what the Iraqis were doing. So this is why they had the CDC there. Okay, and, where, and, 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 and the agents. And so they, uh, the military bought, a, bought the antidote from the government because when they go to third world countries, they have a lot of uh, botulism there. So anyway, fast forward. I, uh, they sent me to uh, an hospice. I went from, I spent 30 days in ICU and then I went to a hospice and I was still paralyzed because I still thought I was gonna die. So I, uh, I was still paralyzed and the thing, and I digress, the thing that got me wasn't being paralyzed. It, it was, uh, having a catheter and wearing a brief, which I call a doctor, I mean, a, a doctor. And every time you go to the bathroom, you go on yourself and the CNAs had to come and, and, and to change you and wipe your butt. And that's every time that happened, I would cry because I took for granted I would be able to walk. I took for granted that I could you know, use the bathroom on my own. So out of that, I learned gratitude. And I learned how to be grateful. I learned how to be aware of the things that are, are around me, you know, because we take things for granted. So anyway, after that, to go back to the story. And so I had to learn how to walk all over. Even though I had the antidote, my muscles had atrophied, which meaning I could, couldn't walk anyway, <laughs> you see. So, 
so I had to exercise my muscles, so I had to, I had to walk all over, and so I had a, a walker and stuff, and so one day, I figured that I could do it on my own, and so we went in to weigh, I, I got weighed every other day, I went in to weigh, and the uh, physical therapist told me, she says, take your walker with you. I said, no, I have this on the, they, they, wear, they put wheelchairs and everything so they have a ledge on the side of the scales. So I walked up on this, I left my walker, walked up on the scale and said, see, I told you, coming back, I tripped over the ledge, dislocated my shoulder and pulled a muscle. They popped the shoulder back in, but pulling the muscle hurts very, very much. The doctor told me that I could have six weeks off from going to the gym, to the PT, with the PTs. My roommate was a guy who had a stroke and he would never ever be able to walk again. His, they, they had cut his head off, I mean his uh, <laughs> uh, skull off. And so his new skull was a, a helmet. And he told me, he, he says, some of us wish we could walk again. You got the opportunity to walk again, but yet, even though the doctor said you could uh, have six weeks off, you lay there. And I listened to what he said. And no matter how hard it worked, I started going to the gym. You know, I started because of listening. So no matter how hard, how painful it was, because I listened to somebody. Now, after that, I well, I got busted with the <laughs> in the hospital. They kind of like took the backpack that I had. So I uh, and the backpack had, had drugs in it. Right? Yes. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. But, okay. <laughs> but anyway, it had drugs in it. And they took that and, they, and somehow the money goes along with the drugs or whatever. And, and, and even though I did not, because the hospital could not tell the, do the HIPAA, they couldn't tell the police whose it was, right? But they, I had some, uh, prior charges. So it, I had to go to, when I was in the uh, nursing home, I went to court in the wheelchair and everything. And they gave me probation because they said, you're not going anywhere anyway, <laughs> you know, because I was in the nursing home. But I had to take a an assessment. So I went to uh, uh, Valley Behavioral Health to take an assessment. The day I got out the, the nursing home, I didn't go to the streets. I went straight to CORE, CORE 1, which is for mental health. I had developed PTSD from having that very traumatic experience, you know, being paralyzed or whatever, you know. And so I went, I was done with drugs. Oh, I digress again. After having the out-of-body, out of being in the spiritual world, after being in the spiritual world, I had no desire for drugs, no desire for smoking cigarettes. It just took it away, the desire. 
and took it away. And I decided that I wanted to help other people. Okay, so I went from the nursing home straight into the core program. Okay, I graduated that in four months because I was through with that. And I got it, I went, they uh, gave me a grant to university, uh, I mean, UVU, no, it was Utah State, <laughs> okay, Utah State for uh, to take the certified peer support specialist um, the training. So I took that and I started working for Odyssey House where I learned a lot of stuff. So I learned a lot of behavior, behavioral stuff. And I learned that uh, behavior, we think a way through life and what controls our behavior is the way that we think in order to change our behavior, change the way that we think. So what are you doing at Odyssey now? I'm a case manager and a CPSS still. And 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 we've talked about this before, uh, that it, it seems that people have a, a past like you do, uh, have much more success dealing with new clients who come into Odyssey because you've been there, done that. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. what, yeah. do, do you tell these stories to them? Yes, sir. Uh, I, tell, I tell it to them. And I, I keep it real with them, uh, you know, with reality, you know. And I let them know that with choices, there are consequences. And this is where I, I this is when I tell my, my story. I tell them the story that how I've been in jail because they are my peers. I accept them for what they are and I meet them where they are. What, and where does your passion come from for people who have served? I know you're really passionate about it. Well, well, because even though I didn't go to the military itself, I went to military academy. I went to military school. You see, so uh, uh, I like people that serve because they're given their life. I've, I've talked to a, a lot of guys that were in the military that that told me, they said, you know, I used to be uh, a racist until I got in the military. And that the military taught me, you know, it wasn't a color thing, but we have to have each other's back. And I apply that same concept to life. It doesn't, I don't give a damn what color you are or your sexual pre preference or your religious preference or what that, I got your back. And so let me let me ask you, you know, since you brought up the racial issue, it's, it's pretty important and a hot topic these days. Did you experience any kind of discrimination going through uh, going through the tr treatment programs or in the hospital or even at Odyssey House when you started working here? No, I didn't. You know, but, you know, let, let me tell you something. We try to be so politically correct right now. And everything we say may somebody's gonna have a feeling about it. You know, it's my perception whether or not you being uh, a racist or being prejudiced or something. But I, I look at people for being people. I, if I look at them as being a racist, then that's what I would get. That's what I would find. Okay, 
But if I look at you as being a human being, that is what I will find. A human being, which we all have struggles. You know, we are imperfect. And I accept that imperfection in people. No, I, I'm perfect. <laughs> Come on. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking of, I, I'm thinking of you uh, with your out-of-body experience and finally coming into your body again. And, and all you were was, a, was a, a, a heroin addict and a low-level drug dealer, maybe. And you wake up and you got all these feds around, not even from the DEA, you know, they're from the CDC and, and all that kind of what, I mean, that, that must have been crazy. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't worried because I was paralyzed anyway, you know, uh, I, I wasn't worried about that. And uh, I know that they had my back, you know, to be honest, I didn't know why they, they had the agents order. I know why they had the CDC there because of the, the poisonous, you know, but I didn't know why the agents were there until after I was in the nursing home and one of the doctors that came over and he told me, you know, he explained to me what, what the botulism was and uh, why the, um, that the uh, feds were, the agents were interested in that and everything. So he explained that to me. Yeah. Uh, also, let me, let, me, let me ask you a question. We're always looking for the solution to help people stop their addiction, okay? And you came up with, and I, I remember you just saying a few minutes ago that after your near-death experience, all of a sudden your desire to use or, or, or you know, use drugs or even to smoke just disappeared. Is, is, uh, that's pretty strange. No, I believe in the power of myself whom I chose to call God. With God, all things possible. <laughs> you know, it's strange because we don't accept it today. You know, you have to, uh, not trying to get religious or spiritual, whatever you want to on you right now, but we have to accept that all things are possible. We have to believe in ourselves and in God, you know? So Kevin, you were phenomenal with your words, first and foremost. But what would you say to somebody that does have medical um, medical concerns due to using substances and wants to give up or doesn't feel like they, they, they're worthy or that they can get past that? Since you have that personal experience, what would you say to someone that's struggling? Well, you know, first of all, I'll explain to them that addiction is equal to displacement, meaning that we take... Uh, I am an intense emotion that we have experienced from one object and we transfer it to another object. We transfer that, that pain from ourselves, from a higher self or whatever, to a drug. The bad thing about transferring it to another object is that once that other object dissipates, it'll go back to the original object which is that emotional pain. So the vicious uh, cycle begins over and over and over and over. What we need to do to remedy that is, first of all, acceptance. Uh, be aware, acceptance. 
be aware that you're having these problems, accept that this uh, intense emotional pain has happened to you, and then let it go. Let it go. It's going to always be there with you because the trauma goes all the way down to the cell. And it, uh, it's going to always be there with you. And it's going to pop its ugly head up from time to time. And once it pops its head up, you tell it, say, look, I know you're there. And yes, you, this did happen to me. I'm aware of that. I accept that. But I'm letting you go. Because if I listen to you, I'll end up in the hospital. I'll end up in the jail. i end up homeless. i end up back in Odyssey House. So we have to think the thing through. To the end. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a typical story too. Is that that people have had a negative experience or have emotions that they want to uh, numb themselves from, uh, and and so at Odyssey, the key is to deal not so much with using the drugs, but using the drugs to numb the emotions. And if you get rid of the emotions, then you don't have a desire to use the drugs, right? Yeah. Well, you get rid of, you've, you numb the pain. The drugs numb the pain. We're going to always have the emotions. Emotions was made for us to protect ourselves, okay? And, the, you know, the, so we could experience the fight, flight, or freeze thing. Because when we was in, uh, in the primitive, primitive brain. So we're going to always have, emotions and what happens is is that we try to numb the intense painful emotion because we don't like it you know what i mean but you have other people in life that have every living person on the planet struggles every living person on the planet has bad times and they may have emotional pain with the attic is that we don't want to deal with this it may it's so very traumatic to us you know we don't want to deal with this so we establish a core belief and so with this core belief we believe that in order to uh, uh get rid of this uh, uh uh intense pain we numb it you know but we know that you know, the, the antidote to that is to feel the pain. And weightlifting, this is no gain without pain. There's no, there is no comfort in the growth zone and no growth in the comfort zone. You're, you're, you're a very deep man. Uh, I'm glad you, glad you came on to share some of your thoughts. We have about two minutes left. Um, what do you intend to do? Do you want to stay? in the treatment industry uh, for, for the rest of your life? Or what do you want to do? Yes, because it's getting back to the, the primary thing, and it may sound selfish, is that me helping other people helps me. It, it helps me to, to you know, stay sober. Uh, and secondly, I am, right now, I'm thinking about going back to, to school to be a substance, substance uses or a counselor. You know, so I'm looking into that. Wow. I appreciate your positivity, Kevin. And I think that you would be a great Sudsy. So I can't wait to watch you 
follow your dreams. And I think that you make an incredible, um, you're very powerful in our community. And so thank you for being a part of this show and thank you for being involved on, on a boost on a level type, type movement, right? And actually identifying and addressing with individuals that struggle with the same circumstances that you did. The, the thing I love about uh, talking to people in recovery, because Rachel and I are both in recovery as well, is that uh, we're all, we've all learned to be a little more honest than, than, we, than we normally would be. And that's why it's so interesting and helpful uh, and, and fun to hear stories like yours because it can help other people. Mm -hmm. It's called being transparent. Today I have integrity for when I was using, I didn't have. <laughs> you know, I can trust myself and therefore other people can trust me. I can love myself today, therefore other people can love me. And I forgive myself today and therefore other people forgive me. Wow, that's a perfect way to end this, Kevin. Thank <laughs> you very much for being a guest. You want to say hi to the rest of the world? Hello, everyone in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Rachel. And thank you for watching Odyssey House Journals.